what up? Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. So, you're gonna before we get into whatever case you picked, um, we need the audience to. I need the audience to do me a favor. We need the audience to basically tell Matt to stop being such a little bitch and to buy a slam dunk ticket and come to slam dunk this year. I don't think we need to do that. I think that's very uncalled for. I would never listen and do what the uh, the other person that hosts this podcast says. He needs to stop being a little bitch and get a slam dunk ticket and come to slam dunk. Don't it. be fooled, people. Don't be fooled by this trickery. Okay. It it looks really... I mean, it is, the lineup is, is, is really good. But... All that travel, man. People, people who people who are listening, who um, know that they have to travel uh, a considerable distance to see something they want. You know, it's not an easy feat to do. True. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I've not got far. Mine's like it's like an hour and a half away for me. But I like I've got I've got my ticket bought. I've got my accommodation sorted. I'm all ready and raring for Slam Dunk 2023. Uh, yeah. So uh, the the lineups the line the, the final lineup got announced today. That's why. Uh, well, we need yeah. You're just used to it. I'm not used to traveling all the way down to another country to do gigs. It's just something I've not done. I think the furthest I've gone for a gig is bullet and that was in london and that, that was a hectic day okay yeah i mean that's quite that's far for you but really far for me it's about five six hours for me yeah london from my yeah country. i've obviously you know i've obviously gone to other countries and stuff but that's for holiday i've never actually gone to like a concert or something really really far away in another place maybe if i did it was on holiday when i was younger with my parents but a concert in like something else, but it's not like, like an actual gig. Well, it's why you go for the whole weekend. It's why you go for the Saturday and the Sunday. So you go for the pre-party, have a really good time at the pre-party, and then you go to the actual festival on the Sunday, and it's fucking ace. Yeah, there's the pre-party, but people who listen to this podcast know that I don't drink. So pre-party, yeah, it's all fun and games, but people probably go to pre-parties for stuff for more... Um, I mean, like, I shenanigan related things, tipsy, wasted, uh, all that nonsense. Yeah, a bit tipsy. Like, I think that's kind of it. A lot of people don't want to get absolutely fucked because the festival starts at 12 the next day. So, yeah. It's like 12 till 11, that entire festival. So, depending on what time you want to get there, what bands you want to go see, then, yeah, you want to get, you're going to want to get up early. For me personally, I always get, I get there for like half 12, something like that. Got the whole day. To kind of just have fun and everything. Bit of advice for anyone who's going to go to Slam Dunk Festival uh, in Leeds, because I know more. I've only been to North, so I've only been to the Leeds one. Um, if you're gonna, I know like staying to like the end of the set from the final band for the headline is always like a big thing, but you're gonna struggle getting on that shuttle bus and you're gonna struggle getting a taxi to get back to the city center. Leave so like for like. <laughs> Like, leave just before, like, the last song. Get that shuttle bus and you'll be out of there within five seconds. You don't want to be, like, waiting around in that queue for fucking hours like I've done before. But anyway. I mean, all I can say is I have left at festivals beforehand at the end of a person or an act or a band set. And I've regretted it because you really wanted to stay to the end to see the full set. Mm. But the price you pay is all the travel. But... You know, I'll maybe think about it. I'll maybe think about Slam Dunk South and Slam Dunk South because they're both south for me. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe my next steps. I don't know. It's it's just a lot of effort. People listening will know. Traveling for stuff is a lot of effort in this, and especially in this day and age. This is true. Yeah. So this is your week. Yeah, it's my week again. So, uh, yeah, I. Picked a kind of interesting one, a very recent, well, really recent one. Well, uh, there's a few cases I've looked at where it would have been not as recent, but the whole pandemic um, kind of delayed things. Obviously, I think we covered a couple of cases in the past where the pandemic kind of delayed the trialing and sort of stuff. Yes. Because, you know, the whole world went to shit. Pretty much. 
But um, yeah, I've done a, I've done a, just a recent case just out of it. it. Was just there, and it turned out to be recent. Um, no, actually, no, it, it didn't do this to be there. I'm pretty sure I googled. Uh, funnily enough, I, I I was on Reddit on this um, on this subreddit. I actually, have it up here on the r slash No Stupid Questions, where someone um, put a thing on basically uh, saying, "Just curious." Um, Basically, are there ma- are there many active seal killers in the 2020s? Because I was go- uh, wondering the same thing. I'm like, you know, it's it's the, the 2020s, but the third year. Um, is there much serial killers going about doing stuff? And yeah, there was like I think someone put a link to like a website, which basically um, it's called like Killer Cloud. It's a funny name. The website looks not the most appealing, but. Um, yeah, it had like serial killers who were active pretty recently, so I just went on this and I picked this man. Okay. Because um, I just thought it's interesting because a lot of the killers that we've covered, you know, either happened ten years ago or like before that. You know, it's like a while ago, but um, it's always good to cover more recent people because this stuff just doesn't just stop. There's still serial killers active and killers on the verge of doing that sort of stuff, and it's. It's horrible, but I decided to pick someone. Incidentally, someone who, um, well, it's it's a case of the stuff happened in America, but they're not from America, which technically means it's our first person from this country. I doubt you're going to know who this is. You might do, um, because there's the uh, news report on YouTube. If you somehow just view them from local stations in America, what they're posting. But um, yes, today's case is on. Ramon Escobar. No, I, I, I just I, I don't know. Ooh. I just I just the name Escobar. I just uh, Ramon Escobar. You know, if you said that name to me, I wouldn't think oh serial killer. I'd think oh is this some famous person? You know, the last name Escobar you, that you think, didn't you, do. You think you'd be on about Pablo Escobar? Yeah, you think that's what I thought when I say Escobar. I'm like, is it Pablo Escobar? Is there someone listening there, or is it another person? Because Escobar might be a common name. Um, is it someone who's done some movie stuff? But no, we are doing the case on Ramon Escobar. And for the um, pre-warning of stuff, uh, this is not a heavy case. We've toned it down from the last one. So the last case that we did, uh, I. I just in finding this one, I thought, okay, it's toned it down a little bit, so there's not as it's not we're not going heavy, heavy, heavy. We've taken it back a bit, although this man's still horrible. Um, we basically need to have warning for murder. People get murdered, obviously. Um, yes, not. Uh, I don't know if that would concern anyone. Ah, well, more or less, we touch on murders. Um, more or less is beatings. There's nothing too so gory, that sort of thing. Just say violence. Violence, theft. There is some um, stuff to do with um, illegal activities, per se, that might uh, trigger people. Um, burglary, that sort of thing. It's nothing heavy, but I'll say it anyway. And I think that's it. As again, if someone does get triggered by something I say and I, I didn't mention it, I apologize it's hard to know what people will all suffer from you could get triggered by something that's not like a thing that most people get triggered by but those are the main things there's no gory details that it goes into that's what i think maybe you might hear about bones i think maybe i talk about bones at one point but i think that's about it um not too much just just checking through my notes just to make sure um uh, no no i think we're okay I think we're fine. Yeah. So, I'm assuming you don't know anything about this man, Ramon Escobar. No. He has a interesting mugshot, may I add. Or the photo that comes up when you um, Google his name. He has this... How do you describe that face? It's like a... I don't know why his eyes are like wide open. I oh yeah he's also he he's on CCTV look, footage. He looks, I learned yeah, that. He looks, uh, you know, he looks like um, you know, the kids pulling a face at you, and you want to do a stupid but kind of like basic face back. Kind of looks like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a normal mugshot, 
one, but the one that comes up first, he has that this that face on him is just It's like he's doing the what what you what you, what you looking at? What are you looking at? What? Yeah, that that that's the exact face. Yeah, it's like, I mean I at? thought when people did shots, I thought when people did like these mug shots they had to keep like a straight face. So when people start pulling different faces, it's like Oh no, you see all these celebrity ones with a smiling and shit. Why would you know if you're smiling in your mugshot, you are an evil man. I mean, like, or cele- I, think, I think celebrities do it, cause, especially for like DUIs, because they know that they can just pay it off. Like, they know that they can, pay, yeah. they, they know that they can pay their own bail. So I feel like that's why they smile. Um, God knows. Yeah. Well, that's his photo, which um. That that'll, that'll, that'll be the cover of this episode. Yeah, that will. I thought you'd use that one as the cover, but yes, we are talking about. Ramon Escobar, who is a um, serial killer from uh, El Salvador. Well, he doesn't commit his crimes in El Salvador, but he's from El Salvador. So he ten. Well, he is the first person, the first El El Salvadorian. Is that the right term? I have no fucking clue. But yeah, someone from El Salvador. So you can. Put down a knowledge bank of I know a serial killer who came from El Salvador, although didn't commit his crimes in El Salvador, yes. But we are talking about uh, Ramon Alberto Escobar, obviously a pretty uh, a pretty um, Hispanic-sounding name, who was born on June 5th, 1971, which would make him 51 years old. Born in the country of El Salvador, which, obviously, if people aren't very... In the know of geography, more or less Americans uh, are notoriously bad for the geography. He's from El Salvador, which is a country in the uh, Central America. It's below Guatemala and next to Honduras. It's, it's not a big place, but yeah. um, it's n- well. The, we will go into explain some things. A tiny little thing happens uh, in the oh, in the history, which kind of relates to him. Which I will explain in more detail on how I guess the country operates now. I'm not downgrading on it, but a lot of these Central American countries, in terms of stability and rights on other things, are not as 100% as like other places. But um, yes, he's from El Salvador. And he is convicted of murder, um, seven murders, in fact. And he. Um, committed his span of crimes, this is why it's recent, in August to, September, August to September sorry, of 2018 in the United States, in the states of Texas and California. And um, yeah, he's uh, also got a criminal, criminal penalty, which we will explain what that is uh, later. But yes, he committed his crimes in America, which him being in America, uh, there's a part in this which people were... Um, extremely annoyed by in which they were um also if you watch the video on youtube of the reporter reporting on it the comments were saying the exact same thing as what i was shocked about but you can kind of maybe figure it out but we'll explain about it in the uh, in the uh later on so first off start off with his early life um he is one of these people where very little is known about his early life it is a more recent case so i find out a lot of these recent cases i don't know if they tend to just not deep dive into the person's history but um, basically very little is known about Ramon's early life we know that he was born on uh, June 5th 1971 in El Salvador where he spent his uh, childhood and youth in poverty as a result of something called the football war which I I mean I don't know about you but when I heard the football war I'm thinking football war? What? Mm-hmm. How can you be you know, in poverty as a result of a football war so apparently the football war also known as the 100 Hours War or 100 Hours War, was a brief military conflict fought between El Salvador and Honduras in 1969. Basically, existing tensions between the two countries coincided with a uh, rioting during a 1970 FIFA World Cup qualifier. That's why it's related to football. Um, The war began 14th of July 1969 when the Salvadorian military launched an attack on Honduras. So... Apparently, that caused some poverty. And um, I think El Salvador is a kind of stable country now, money-wise. It's not as stable as others. I think tourism brings in a decent amount of the money. But yes, he was pover- um, poverty-ridden due to something called the football war, which happened uh, years ago. 
obviously now that sort of thing wouldn't ha- happen, but I thought that was quite uh, quite a weird thing. But um, yes, this is where the beginning of the thing I was talking about, where people were very annoyed, happened, starts. So as you could have maybe have guessed, this man is from El Salvador and the crimes were committed in the US. Well, in the mid-1980s, Ramon illegally emigrated to the United States. Obviously, um, you know, you get reprimanded for that if you try illegally emigrate to a country without doing the correct uh, procedures of actually being able to live in that country. But when he illegally emigrated, he was arrested in early 1988 and thereafter deported by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE officers, in February of that year. So he's been deported uh, once. Obviously, I don't know why he was emigrating to the U.S. Probably wanted a better life or something, you know. Um, obviously, it's quite common for the Mexican people to uh, illegally emigrate to the U.S. for whatever reason. Um, for a emigrating only for a better life. Emigrating happens a lot here, though, and there is a true crime case we could cover about. Um, oh, actually, emigration uh, um, and human trafficking happens uh, a decent bit in the UK as well, and in Europe as well. A lot of people just travel on boats um, from like. Um, the middle east to like italy or somewhere like that or they'll travel from like across europe and then in france and they'll travel over on the boat or they travel over on a truck and the human trafficking it's a horrible thing because more likely they die um because their traveling wasn't safe and they just wanted a better life but um he illegally emigrates to the u.s and obviously gets uh, deported back but then again in the early 1990s he returned to the u.s again uh, settling in the home of some relatives in Houston, in Texas. From 1992 until his arrest in 2018, Ramon was repeatedly arrested on charges ranging from burglary, assault, and criminal trespassing. Um, from 1995 to 2000, he was incarcerated in a Texas prison for theft before being deported back to El Salvador. So he's being back, deported back again, because, again, he's illegally emigrated to the US, got deported, then came back again, and they're like, well, no, no, you're in prison, now you got to go back to El Salvador, because this man's not going through the correct procedures, he's taking any way to, to get into the US. And then, that following year, he was once again returned, but was re-arrested in November for a minor um, offence and illegal entry, from which he was convicted and sentenced to 23 months imprisonment. While serving his sentence, uh, Ramon was diagnosed as a schizophrenic, schizophrenic, sorry, and transferred to Harris County Psych- Psychiatric Center, where he remained for several months. In the total, um, oh sorry, in total, from the period of 1997 to 2011, Ramon was deported from the United States a total of six times. And this is why people got annoyed, because he's been deported six times yet. After that, he committed his crimes. This man illegally came to the U.S. six times and got deported. I mean, that to me blew my mind on the fact that this man managed to get into the U.S. six times. And, uh, you know, after constantly being deported, back again deported, surely something must be done to stop people from getting into the country that many times. Because in this case, him being allowed in, uh, this uh, well, his last time he uh, commits these horrible crimes, which if he wasn't actually and he was looked out for and wasn't actually allowed in this many times, he wouldn't have, um, you know, thought it was so easy to get in and then commit his crimes. So six times, and uh, as people on YouTube were commenting, they weren't happy about that either. And I wouldn't be if the same thing happened here, where there was a serial killer that came in the UK and did all his crimes, but, but then they were from somewhere else and they were illegally like deported. Uh, shit ton of time surely there should be something about that to stop people from uh, doing it this many times but six times in 2012 he made another attempt to enter the u.s but was caught by board security in brownville texas while in the county jail he began to show signs of mental instability due to which he was interned at a psychiatric hospital in springfield missouri after the treatment was complete Ramon was extradited to Brownsville and put on trial. In October 2013, he was convicted and sentenced to two years imprisonment. 
After serving their sentence, he was deported yet again, but returned soon afterwards. Upon re-entering, he appealed his immigration case and applied for political asylum, which subsequently granted him permission residency, or sorry, who granted him permanent residency in July 2017. So this man really, really wants to live in the US. Why? Um, Why, though? I don't know. Um, I was not sure what political asylum actually was, but political asylum, uh, the right of asylum, uh, is an actual juridical concept under which people prosecuted, sorry, persecuted by their own ruler rulers might be protected by another sovereign authority like a second country or another entity which in medieval times could offer sanctuary so he's moved to the US uh, and and he moved into his uncle and aunt's house in Prudence Drive in southwest Houston where he found work as a day laborer but occasionally supplemented his income with petty thefts so he's obviously emigrated to the US and living with his auntie and uncle because he's not really got anywhere to go. He's got family members there, and then he has to make um, a living um, to pay bills and that sort of thing, or pay his auntie and uncle who doesn't have a house of his own. So that's probably why he resorted to theft, because he doesn't have that much money, because he's emigrated, and he was doing it illegally, and he's now got an actual residency. It's kind of just like brand new life, doesn't have anything. Unlike if you know if you move somewhere different in the country, then like El Salvador, that's fine, because... He's lived there beforehand, but going to a different country, it's a complete new life, completely different surroundings, that sort of thing. Um, I'm assuming his English was quite well spoken, especially if he's gone to the South. This man's emigrated with family to Texas. I'm not hating on people from Texas, but that Southern drawl, I mean, in that man's English ain't great. He might not be that, uh, he might not be um, that great in understanding others. Um, in November 2017 and February 2018, he was arrested twice more for trespassing and theft, but was not brought to trial and got away with paying a fine. Um, I'm not entirely sure what trespassing laws are like in the US. Uh, trespassing laws are quite lenient um, in Scotland. Um, I'm not sure what it's like in England. Do you know what it's like for trespassing laws? I um, doubt you can... No, I have no idea. I I thought I I thought uh, I believe I wonder what our trespassing laws. Yeah, uh, yeah. The trespassing laws is illegal to try. I'm not sure what it's exactly like in Scotland, but I know it's not as bad as maybe what the US is. I mean, I've heard cases in the US, and instantly I know it's a bit off topic, but I heard a couple of people in the US trespassing, playing Pokemon Go, and uh, people rang out, people brought out guns and were holding them at gunfire in the US. Because they were trespassing, um, which is a very scary thought. But yes, he's charged with those. Um, it's funny when you find when you realise that they're doing it over Pokemon Go, though. Yeah, I thought that was um, an interesting, an interesting one to. Uh, I'm playing Pokemon Go, and the next thing there's the person who's got a gun out. Like that game just made people think that they could go in anywhere. Like I was working at McDonald's still when that game came out. Ah. And I remember there was. There's a, there a few times where some kids were trying to get into the kitchen because there was a Pokemon in there. Oh, you can't be serious. No, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they walked past the counter with the phones trying to get the Pokemon. And I was genuinely like, what are you doing? There was this one kid um, who was like, just walking. Like, I really, I must have been about six at least playing Pokemon Go. And, um,. He was, like, walking past the counter, like, past the drive-thru, and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, Pikachu's over there, and I went, you carry on. You do what you, mean. Need. You, do, you, do what you need to do, my friend. I was like, yeah, everyone else was like, what, what, which one's he trying to get? And I just went, Pikachu, and he just went, carry on. <laughs> I mean, I would have thought people would have stormed in the back looking for their Happy Meal toy, not Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. That happened once, I mean, happened a couple of times, and that was just really funny because I just looked to him and went, "You do you, you carry on." Can't remember the guy's name, but there was a there was a young young uh, lad on TikTok who I follow who um, blew up because he would just post videos of himself just walking into the back of places that he doesn't work at, and to have the balls to do that, I think he did it with like Greg's and whatnot, would just like walk in the back and just film himself in the back, which you shouldn't do because you're not allowed in there. That's what the no entry says, but. Um, 
Yeah, I can't imagine that. Someone coming in the back of our, uh, my work is like, there's a Pokemon. Sorry, what? No, 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 no. Pikachu's a bit overrated anyway. He's the main character, but come on. You know, you wouldn't do anything for uh, Pikachu. No, but, it's, just, it's just funny. I mean, anyway, this guy was not about a trial and got away with paying a fine. Um, despite his repeated criminal behaviour, Ramon was not known as a violent individual, and most of his friends and acquaintances spoke positively of him. Well, um, after the crimes he commits, I don't think I was speaking positively of him at all, or spoke positively of him ever again. But uh, yes, this man does some murders. Now, the uh, murders that he does commit, uh, there's two parts to this. One, uh, two sort of factors which kind of we'll, I will touch upon and give my thoughts on uh, his horrific crimes. So, the first uh, murders are the Texas killings and flight, because the first ones he commits are in Texas. So, uh, the murders began on August 26th, uh, 26th 2018, when Ramon beat to death his 65-year-old uncle, Wargelio, with a police baton at his house in Houston because he felt disrespected. Wargelio, I think that's Wargelio, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. He did not take measures to cover up the crime, but disposed of his uncle's corpse. He then left Wargelio, Wargelio, Wargelio's backpack, shoes and shirt on the porch of the house, which aroused the suspicion of his aunt, 60-year-old, Dina. Two days later, she started searching for her brother in her minivan. But before the trip, Ramon snuck into the minivan and hid under a pile of clothes. During a car stop in a suburb of Houston, he came out from under the pile and tried strangling her from behind with the baton. The two struggled to the ground and he pressed his knee to her chest until she stopped breathing. Following the murders, he dumped his relatives' bodies in two separate dumpsters, with their skeletal remains being found two months later in a landfill. He then stole his aunt's van and travelled to Gavelston, where he left it at a beach and set it on fire to cover up his crimes. This man has killed his aunt and uncle. And there's, literally, the there's literally nothing like premeditated about that either. Nope, and no nothing that's said. But the fact is that he's he's seeking, you know, a safe place to stay at his aunt and uncle's house, and then he kills them. Like, what the fuck? And as, as the, especially the fact that it's like 65-year-old and 60-year-old, you know, killing elderly people, you know, that's strong. And for it to be your family members is even more fucked up. I mean, yeah, like, I don't, there's, there's literally nothing that he could really say and say, to basically say, oh, this is the reason why I did it. I mean, there's nothing you can say as a reason to why you do that anyway, but, like, I mean, they literally did, they, they're like, like, why did you kill your aunt and uncle? What did they do to you? Well, they gave me a home. After I was illegally emigrating and being deported many times in the past, and I've now finally been able to live in the U.S., and also the fact is that, well, um, he snuck in that minivan. I just pictured it in my head when I was reading this, like him hiding on a pile of clothes in the back of the minivan, just jumps out of nowhere, like in the, like in the horror movies. Yeah. And then, like, strangling from behind. And then that's a horrible way to go. The fact is he pressed his knee to her chest until she stopped breathing. Obviously, she's elderly, so that's going to... It's going to hurt her way more. Yeah, and she's going to be a, a bit weaker. Yeah, let's say she's not as strong as how he would be. And she's just going to, you know, uh, 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 and then just go. It's horrible. And then, he, after killing his relatives, just dumps them in a dumpster and then sets fire to the uh, his aunt's van to cover up his crimes. As if... No remorse. No remorse at all. I just thought that was horrible. And for no motive or anything, him to just do that, that was his safe place. So he's got nothing now. Several acquaintances of Rogelio, Rogelio and Dina Escobar uh, contacted police after their disappearance, as a result of which Ramon was detained for interrogation on August 30th. However, as authorities had no evidence to charge him with any crime at the time, he was released. 
And what does he do when he gets released? Well, soon after, Ramon fled state and drove his 2004 Honda CRV to Santa Monica, California. Flee to a different state. You kill your aunt and uncle, you flee away. I mean, they had no evidence on him, so they couldn't charge him, and he's just been released, and he just thinks, well, that's my ticket. I'm out of here. Well, you're going to, aren't you? And it's not a nearby state. I mean, it is somewhat, if you look at it on the map, but Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, then California. Oh, yeah, that is a long way. It's a long way. It's a close state if you look at it on the map. In terms of distance, it's long. So he goes to California, which, well, as we have, uh, and, well, not discovered, I would say we have said many times, California is notorious for having serial killers and crimes happening in it, so... I don't know. Maybe he fled there because he knew that uh, that's where most uh, uh, most people um, who are serial killers tend to do crimes. He thought, I'll just go there. I don't know. He doesn't say. But obviously, he's got nowhere to go. So over the next few weeks, he lived in various homeless encampments around Los Angeles, blending in with local transients and drifters. Because there's a lot of people that live in Los Angeles. It's, If I'm correct, Los, La- Los Angeles is the s- second most populous city after New York? Most likely, yeah. I think it's Washington after that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people in there, and there's going to be a lot of homeless people who do not have a home, because it's not easy to afford one in Hollywood. Yeah, and the fact, um, bear in mind, a lot of people tend to go to LA for, you know, for to live dreams and stuff like that, and, not, and a lot of the time it doesn't really work out, and it's really expensive to live there, and all this kind of stuff, so a lot of people do just end up homeless. Yeah, and a lot of people who are there, they either make it um, big in there and then it's good for them, or because there's a lot of opportunities in Los Los Angeles, especially in the, the Southern California. A lot of my favorite bands are from there, so, so there's got a thriving scene. Um, I think we all know what my favorite bands are, are I mean, from there. Well, I mean, Los Angeles, has, has, it's always had the same reputation since the start of like the 20th century. Like People, since literally... I'd say the 1920s at least have always gone to Los Angeles as a way of finding like fame and fortune and stuff like that. Over like certain decades, it kind of went a bit lower, like not as many people were doing it. But then, I mean, from my knowledge of it, the 80s, like multiple people were were going to LA to get signed as metal bands. And it's always been that way. People just always go for fame and fortune, and a lot of the times it doesn't work out. Yeah, so he's fled here, and obviously blending in with the, I'm assuming, thousands of homeless people who are struggling on the streets of L.A. Yeah. So this is where he does his other murders. So he's done them in Texas, fled. So they're looking for people in around Texas, as you would, because they thought they had... They thought he'd done them but had no evidence, so he's fled, and then he commits murders in this state. You know, they're looking in Texas, and America's huge. So him fly, him going to another state is a big deal because they're all searching Texas, and they don't know he's, he's fled to another state. So, in the early hours of September 8th, Ramon attacked another homeless man while he was sleeping on a beach in Santa Monica. Despite repeatedly beaten with a baseball bat and sustaining severe head injuries, the victim survived the assault. Two days later, Ramon attacked another homeless man, 51-year-old Juan Antonio Ramirez, who suffered a head injury. However, unlike the previous victim, Ramirez fell into a coma and subsequently succumbed to the assault in January 2021. Now that's horrible to be in a coma from a blast to the head because you know people people could joke about this stuff like in the cartoons and stuff when oh someone hits their head and they have the birds flying around and they forgot their memory but bro if you hit if you hit your head fucking hard you can seriously fuck it oh yeah definitely uh, and in this case he was beaten with a baseball bat which are not soft and he's fell into a coma and obviously if you're in a coma, you never know if you're going to wake or not. And sadly, he did not awaken. And that's just a horrible way to go because, you know, people are just seeing you in hospital laying on the bed 
and just praying that you might see something with your eyes open, but you never know how someone wakes from a coma, if I'm correct. Because from my remembering, I read a book by Michael Mapergo where... Um, yeah, well, I don't you know if I... So, sorry, you could actually get through a Michael Mapergo book? Yes. Jesus fucking Christ. It was in school. Yeah, no, even I fucking struggled. What the well boring. Anyway. Nah, 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 nah. What was it? No, we did Private Peaceful. I'm trying to find Everyone the book. Everyone did Private Peaceful, and then there was another one. I'm pretty sure I've still... I've got both of them, I'm pretty sure. But I remember trying to get through... Cool. I remember trying to get through his books, because you had to in school, and I just fucking couldn't do it. Like, I was just yes. so... I was so fucking bored. Cool. It was actually a really good one. I, I, I um, really liked Cool, because the premise of Cool is basically... Um, this young boy Robbie has a dog and the dog runs out to the road and then he tries to save it because um, it's a way to get run over and then he gets knocked and he's fell into a coma and they're trying their best to wake him up he's a big Chelsea fan they get their football um, football player to try and wake him up nothing works but the only thing that ever wakes him up is the dog I'm sorry I've just spoiled the book but you know if you um, hear me explain anyway I'm literally never going to read a Michael Wahlberg again. Yeah. It's the it's the premise at the start of the book where you think the dog has died because it ran out in front of the car and he got hit as well. But then at the end, you find out the dog was actually still alive and they brought us to the hospital and then he awakens. And after reading that, that was that's what made me realize, oh, hang on, people who fall into comas, there's maybe that one thing that might wake them up, or there might be one th just triggering thing that puts the brain back up or something. But uh, his victim that he um attacks falls into a coma and so comes to that coma sadly um during the early morning hours of september 16th ramon attacked three sleeping homeless men in downtown los angeles with a baseball bat robbing them afterwards so as you can see he's a homeless man going for other people who are homeless because i'm assuming in los angeles not everyone's as kind and it's a free-for-all that the homeless people are robbing the other homeless just to survive, you know. Yeah, it, obviously, it obviously really shows um, the humanity some people have where some people can literally have a view of like Hunger Games where it's like, but everyone for themselves, don't look after well, others, you know, there's no... Like, homelessness is really high in Manchester as well and you see it all the time. You see, like, homeless people fighting over stuff all the fucking time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Happens all the time. Like, it, I mean, it this weirdly it tends to happen in the exact same place. So if anyone knows Manchester, Market Street, basically, um, towards the end of Market Street, going t into the Arndale, there's the bit, there's the escalators that take you directly up to the food court from Market Street, and it's basically a big <coughs> food court. It's like a few little shops or whatever that takes you onto the main road. And normally under that cover bit, all the freaking time, all the time it happens quite a lot there's always like homeless people like fighting over stuff and it's really sad to see but no one gets involved because they they don't they don't know what to do and like people like the police get involved eventually but it's yeah it happens quite often i mean it's obviously sad to see but you know everyone has to fend for themselves in this world but in cases like this, it's obviously, if you're homeless, you you know, you don't think there's any hope for you that you just attack the people who are in the same boat as you. So that, that's what he was doing. He was attacking other people who were homeless and then robbing them as well for money because he's got nothing because he's killed his aunt and uncle and his own place of residency and then fled state. So obviously his job he had doesn't have any more because he's just disappeared. Uh, two of the men... 24-year-old Brandon Rideout, Rideout, sorry, and 59-year-old Kevin William died, while the third victim, 23-year-old Tevin Harmon, survived. At the time of the murders, Ramon was recorded by the CCTV of a nearby building, which enabled law enforcement to make a facial composite of him. That's the, um, if you Google an image of him, that one on the CCTV footage in the black and white, is how they make a composite of him, which is a drawing. I, I, I was confused by the word composite, but it's a drawing of him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they, they make a good drawing out of that, which is quite surprising, because in that CCTV footage, 
Well, I can barely make out that's him. But, yeah, uh, CCTV footage is just still really bad. Yeah, like, I mean, I've had to look at CCTV footage at work all the time when uh, some of my, or one of my co-workers or maybe some of the others at petrol station will show me some, some of the shenanigans that go on. And some, some it's, if it's kind of clear, but in other cases I've watched CCTV footage and it's like, I'm looking at just dots. Yeah, it's like, hey, guy, hey, world, we've got, like, really, really good cameras on our phones. Can we have good CCTV to make life easier? But, yeah, they managed to make official comps out of him, which is still astounding how they can how they can do that. Um, in this official composite of him, uh, the then unknown assailant was described as a white or Hispanic male in his 30s or 40s of average build and height with uh, medium-length black hair. So, obviously, Hispanic being someone from Central America or the Mexican-Spanish sort of thing. So, you know, white and Hispanic's not too different in terms of how someone could look. But uh, they've got him in his 30s or 40s average build and a height with medium-length black hair, which is kind of basically describing how he looks. They kind of they kind of nailed it quite, w- quite well there. Uh, one notable feature was that he apparently had a noticeable gait. Gate, I think that's how you say it, due to the curvature of his legs, which gate, I didn't know what that meant, but it's uh, a gate is the pattern of movement of the limbs of animals, including humans, during locomotion over a solid substrate. So, uh, curvature of the legs, by the way, walked. I mean, that's that, that's quite good that they picked up on that. They noticed um, he had a gate due to the curvature of his legs, and the way he walked in that CCTV footage. Because if I was trying to identify someone, the last thing I'd be thinking of, how did they walk? Because walking is such a normal thing people do. Unless your walk is noticeably weird, or you cannot walk, then, you know, there would be a distinguishable feature. On September 20th, Ramon carried out another attack under the Santa Monica Pier, during which he beat to death 39-year-old Stephen Ray Cruz Jr. However... Unlike previous victims, Cruz was not homeless and lived with his parents in uh, San Gabriel. According to family members, he had gone to Santa Monica to fish and apparently decided to spend the night there. You know, just camp under there. He was fishing, camp under there, no big issue. In the aftermath of the murder, police were unable to locate any witnesses to the crime. So, I mean, it must be great to fish in Santa Monica. But um, he wasn't homeless. He actually lived with people. He decided to camp under the pier. And obviously, homeless people must, you know, go under the pier quite a lot for shelter, that sort of thing. It might be a common place for people to uh, shelter, I don't know. But he attacked him under there. And there was uh, unable to locate any witnesses to the crime. Maybe he'd done it uh, in near enough a night time, but he must have saw him set up camp there and just, out of, out of no reason, killed him. Four days later... Ramon attacked 63-year-old George Martinez on a street in downtown Los Angeles, beating him on the head with a baseball bat. The incident had several witnesses who reported to the police, resulting in Martinez being driven to a local hospital. However, like before on the other victim, he slipped into a coma and would succumb to his injuries on September 30th. So he's, he's, he's got two people to die from comas. That's fucked. And killed someone who wasn't homeless and was just camping after fishing. But the rest of the people were just homeless people. He just attacked other homeless people just to fend for himself because he'd killed his aunt and uncle and fled. I think that's horrible that he killed that person. They were just camping. That person had a family and they just took a trip to Santa Monica to fish. And they just thought they'd camp out because if, you know, wait the next day, instead of driving all the way back home, you just tent it out, you know, as people do when they fish. Yeah, that's, yeah everyone does that when they fish. Well, most people do anyway. And he had he would have had no idea that he was going to get murdered. He just camped there, you know. And it must be horrible for I think it, I think people commented on the YouTube video saying it was horrible that they were they were they were um, scared. In fact, when this guy was going around, because you know Los Angeles is a big place, but places also, people think are safe. Yeah, it's all about to say Los Angeles is also not a safe place. It's never been safe. No, but like those areas where people might think, right, this might be my safe place I can go. Like I might be able to go to the Santa Monica Pier today and it'll be okay. But the fact these cases keep happening where people um, 
get murdered around different areas or they attack a specific group of people. You know, people after this must have thought, I never want to go near the Santa Monica Pier at all in fear that I might get killed. Or I never want to be round about an area where there's homeless folk because one of them might jump out at me and slash me while I go down the street. You never know. Exactly. Never think a place is never pl- think a place is safe, like ever. Like never just automatically assume, oh, this place is safe because of this reason. It's like no, I can list off like many areas in Manchester that are definitely not safe to go into on your own. But I would never also say, oh yeah, you're fine to walk around this place at night because it's well lit. It's like that doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean Manchester compared to where I live is a city. I live in a town and yeah. obviously there's many outskirts of Manchester so there's bound to be loads of bad areas there's oh, kind of maybe bad areas in my town but as a smaller knit community we do talk a lot in a, a local group on um, Facebook so when stuff gets posted people respond to that and when incidents happen people are shocked obviously the youth of today aren't doing a good example but I guess as I can explain that yesterday basically they were cornering off Port Elvenston, which is just a little part of Inverurie, kind of like a separate town in its own, if you will, but it's a part joined onto Inverurie, um, where essentially they had to close it off because there was a man with a gun being held in a house, and they had to get armed police officers there, and he was, like, detained himself inside a house for hours, like about six hours or something, five or six hours, that they weren't allowing people in. But apparently it wasn't an actual gun. But stuff like that, when it's news that, oh my God, something is happening in Port Elvinston. What is it? A guy has a gun. Everyone just starts like shaking and getting all sorts of like confused and just like, oh my God. I thought where we lived was a nice quaint little town where no such a thing could happen. It wasn't an actual gun, I'll preference from what it said. But it makes you feel uneasy. You know, it makes you not feel safe to go around areas where you thought you could just walk your dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, whereas, I mean, in Manchester, everyone everyone in Manchester is aware of this, but the canals aren't safe. Everyone, everyone knows this. So you would never, you never walk down the canal any time of the day? You're better in the day. You're, you're definitely better in the day. But the thing is with the canals in Manchester, and I don't understand the logic of this, and the council's not come up with a good excuse at all. I, I don't understand it. None of the canals in Manchester have barriers. Oh. So it's just open. So they don't have barriers like at all going down the side. Some some do, some do. Like the ones going past like near where I live, they do. But a lot of them don't. They're kind of just um, open. And ironically, the, the bits that are open, this part makes no sense either. So the canal, the parts of the canal that um, is open and has no barriers, actually is closer to all the nightclubs. So it's not good. Which is yeah, yeah, it's not good. So people tend to walk down there a little bit drunk or a bit tipsy, and it's there's no barriers there, like at all, and it's really, really bad. So, but not only that, um, people just tend to walk down there because it there's less people. But also, there's no barriers on the canals and there is barely any lights. So that it's not lit, like really. It's a tiny bit. That's normally by like the buildings that are next to it, but that's kind of it. So when there is, and there's no CCTV down there either. Like there's none. And the canals, it's not even like, um, oh, you can't go down there. It's like, no, it's a public path. You can walk down there if you want. Everyone does it during the day. But there's no CCTV, it's not well lit, there's no barriers, and it's a place where you can freely walk, because there's literally entrances to it that don't get closed off at night. And there has been, in the past, I think, ten years or so, I think seven years, no, about seven years, in the past seven years, there has been 75 people found in the canals. That's what I was away to say. Surely people at night time could just it's get someone along the canal and shove them in. There are rumours. It's not a confirmed thing. The police say that this that it's not the case, but I don't believe them. Um, because a lot of evidence points towards the latter. And there is some rumours that there is a canal pusher. 
Like, you Google Manchester Canal Pusher, a few little articles come up where some people who have survived being, like, falling into the canals or getting pushed into the canals, in their opinion, someone's pushed actually pushed them in and they've managed to get out. Yeah, it's a, it's a search. But there's, like, a few people who have survived and said that someone was actually trying to force their head back down. Um... So wow, someone made a documentary on it on YouTube. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, yeah, there's um, rumors of, of a pusher. But, like, that's a prime example right there. Um, but, mm. but there's also the case of, like, people do fall in there while they're drunk. Like, my, one of my mates has, fell, has fallen in before. He lived, don't worry. But he has fallen in there before. But there's a lot of cases where... Um, so, so some people... Um, they were on like one of the one of the victims was on his phone. He was ringing his parents. They heard him like yell. They heard him run, and the phone died. And then he was found in the canal. And there's a few CCTV footage where a few of the people that have gone missing or well died in the canals. They they're seen on CCTV running away from something. Um, but. It's all men. Oh my god! Someone's made a, a, a um, an ebook on it, but I'm just looking at the images, and on some of them, I wouldn't feel safe about walking down that at, at all at oh, night. The main one is the one near Deansgate Locks. That one is the really, really bad one because it's not like it leads into Castlefield, and Castlefield's very nice. It's very, very, it's a very nice area. Um, but again, there's no barriers. It's not well lit, and there's no. Wait, is that the one that's near the the um the um door? Because there's a photo here where there's like a two two uh, obviously the water slowing down because the door has to open to let the boats through. Yes. Yes. Um. Oh, Canal Street. I'm seeing our oh, well. Canal no. Canal Street's gay is gay village. Um. Yeah, I know because there's a massive on this blue building. It just says gay. In big writing. G-A-Y, but yeah. Um, well, it says gay, so that's how I knew. And apart from this, I'm not hating on anything about that, but... No, no, that's no, no that's, the name, that's the name of the nightclub. That's literally the name of it. But yeah. Oh! Yeah, yeah, it's G-A-Y, but yeah, that, that that's the name of the nightclub. But yeah, no, there's Canal Street. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's a prime example, like, like, right there, like... Oh, God. See, see that? I, I, there's just a photo where the canal's drained a bit, and... Ah, oh, that's just a horrible thing if they drain well, the canal and they just what you'd see there. Because I I see videos on TikTok of um these folk who just go into canal at uh, big waters in like the US specifically, and they have like the massive magnets that are super strong, and they pull out stuff from the canals because honestly, what you find in these um canals is interesting. Now that has jogged my memory of a case that I, I might. I do as a case to cover in the future about something hidden in a waterway or a lake or whatnot, which relates to a solved case. But yes, looking at these things, I I'm oh, I I did not know there was a canal pusher. Yeah, well, yeah, I think there definitely is. But uh, but one thing as well, last year, the end of last year, um, within the space of a month, two people were found. Um, next in that um, like. On the canal bit that was literally next to my flat, and my flatmate was having her morning sig on the balcony, and saw one of, and saw the bodies. Well, saw the body of one of them. So, oh my god! There's a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, how 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 did how did do they drain it quite often to find bodies, or how do they know? Um, they just tend to float. Oh oh well yeah obviously sorry bodies float I I, I was just assuming that some of them would just. Uh, Sink it down, but no, they'll float. No, because yeah, they'd have to be weighed down if that was the case. Oh yeah, no, I, I was just a suit. Oh, silly me! I, I just had the thought of like uh, people who were going in the canals. They would someone. They would have someone tied down or something that would have made them invisible. But no. Uh no, but because because they're in the water, there's you yeah, can't, you can't get prints because it would have been washed away, and over a certain amount of time, based on like either heat. Like just or cold temperatures, whatever, um, it can drastically affect the decomposition of the body. So yep. it gives it more of a leeway for the person who's possibly committed the murder to get away with it. That's why. Damn. I mean, we've sidetracked a bit, but that's an interesting thing to um, touch oh, yeah. upon. 
the Manche- Manchester Canal pusher. I mean, if anyone's listening, let us know if there's any like urban myths or legends of stuff of like people suspected or like ghostly figures that haunt somewhere that they believe. And I'm not. I'm not talking about actual ghosts, but in the sense of in the sense of this, you know, there might be other people listening where in their town there's like this mysterious figure who's been known to do this, but they've never caught this assailant. But um, damn, I'll keep my wits about if I ever go to Manchester. It's horrible that something like that exists because no, then don't go in the canals, man. I wouldn't go in the canals privately, but it. it I mean, it, it's stuff like that puts anyone off going anywhere near them. So it just a whole part of the town is just like a no-go zone. I mean, not really. It's just, just that one specific bit, but you don't need to go down the canals to get around, to get around Manchester. Yeah, but, it, you know, it just gives that incentive of, like, oh, God, if I'm near the canals, there could be some assailant on the loose. Oh, yeah, but I'm yeah. going to watch a documentary on that that a guy made. That, I think that's interesting. I did not know that. Oh, well, well, mere minutes after that assault that uh, Ramon com- um, committed on Martinez, he was caught by police officers. After the arrest, uh, they searched the interior of his car where they found the baseball bat and a pair of bolt cutters. Um, I don't know how he got that car. Uh, in the first place, when it said that... Um, his Honda CRV 2004. I'm assuming the car that he fled with to California, he paid for with his own money, and he actually bought the car and he hadn't stole it because you know he did commit he did commit robberies. But I'm assuming this is uh, you know when they checked his car it was the one that he drove with. He paid for it, but yeah, he had bolt cutters and a baseball bat. So he was committing his crimes with a baseball bat. I don't know where he got that from, but he's one of those. He was, as you can tell, one of those people who preferred to. Uh, you know, carry out uh, assaults on people, you know, with a weapon that would be hard hitting, not like just a gun or something. And it's pretty easy to pick up a baseball bat anyway. You just pick one up from a shop. And because it's the US and baseball such a huge sport, he has one. And I can imagine being whacked by that thing would seriously do some damage on you. And the people who who survived, you know, they've got some probably severe injuries that are probably just um, lifelong. Oh, yeah. Uh, as Ramon uh, heavily resembled the facial composite of the man wanted in other murders, he was subsequently named the prime suspect. Not long after, investigations from Houston also announced that he was suspected in the murders of his uncle and aunt, whose remains had been found in a landfill outside the city. In early October, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office charged Ramon with four counts of murder, five counts of attempted murder, and four counts of robbery. Further investigations revealed that he was responsible for many other attacks, with his victims suffering from a various degree of injury. They were the following uh, people. Uh, Albert Gene Scott on September 11th. Uh, unlike uh, other victims, he was not homeless. Michelle Matisse on the outskirts of MacArthur Park on September 15th. And Kyla Renard and David Dodson in Griffiths Park on September 19th. On November 8th, Ramon was formally charged with the murders and the remaining charges to which he pleaded not guilty. In December 2018, Ramon, who was detained at the Los Angeles County Jail, um, he was visited by investigators from the Houston Homicide Unit. During his conversation with them, he confessed to killing his aunt and uncle and described what had transpired. As a result, he was subsequently charged with their murders as well. In mid-2019, his attorneys filed a motion for a psychiatric evaluation, which the court granted. In September, the minor son of Cruz filed a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles citing negligence regarding his father's death. Obviously, Cruz was the one who um, was the fisher, who was under Santa Monica Pier. Uh, So I can see why he filed a lawsuit against the city citing negligence regarding his father's death. On October 17th of that year, the results concluded that he was sane and thus eligible to stand trial. But obviously it's a more recent case because due to several delays caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, Ramon's trial was delayed until early 2022. During said trial, he was offered a plea deal from the attorney's office in exchange for the state dropping the death penalty. 
he would plead guilty to all charges and be sentenced to several life terms without parole instead. Obviously, Texas and California charges, which is why um, I have it written down here where he's given life without parole in both Texas and California. Ramon accepted, and on May 6, 2022, his sentence was subsequently handed down. Ramon claimed that he had committed the killings out of a personal animosity and financial hardship when pressed for a motive. Obviously, financial hardship because he was homeless. When it came to the murders of his uncle, he claimed it was the result of an argument during uh, which uh, Rogelio, hopefully I'm still saying that right, belittled him for his lifestyle and choices in life. I mean, I feel like that should... I mean, you need... You need, to, you need a reality check, dude. So, fair, fair play. If fair someone play. had an argument and belittled me, which has happened many a time by my best mates, it did not make me think, right, I'm going to kill them now. No. Well, no. No, definitely like, not. You're the still, incentive... You normally think, oh, fuck you, but that's it. Yeah, the incentive I have, and I've said this with many people beforehand, is like, right, you truly know who your best friends are, when you can be having an argument with them, shouting and screaming and absolutely fucking having a go at them, full on shouting down the mic and everything, and then the next day or like 10 minutes later, you make up and everything's fine. And I have so had that with my best mates. Some like my best best mate, who um, if he, if he won't be listening, but he might be listening, Sean. I've had arguments with him where we've been down each other's throats to the point where we were, it was almost like we were going to kill each other. And then, like, ten minutes or so later, or the next day, we just made up, and we were fine. And that's, I'm like, that's how I know he's one of my best friends. Because we've not fallen out and just dealt it forever. We've kind of made up and been like, yeah, you're a cunt. Ah, you're my cunt. <laughs> I know that sounds a bit of a dodgy thing to say. But the fact is, he's like, oh, it was a result of an argument, so I killed my uncle. What? I've argued with my family members, and killing them is just, like, absurd. What the fuck? And then obviously, as we know, he killed his auntie, I guess, just out of the fact of um, she would have found out and then he would have got in trouble for her. So he just thought, I'll kill her as well and dispose of the evidence. And then he was just homeless and then he killed the other homeless people just to get money and or whatever possessions they had. And out of... I don't know what's just happened. Man, if you can hear me, I cannot hear a single thing you're saying. You've kind of... Matt, I don't know what's happened, but I cannot hear you. I don't think his... I think his mic might have come unplugged. Oh, no! Let's tell him. He probably doesn't know! This happened, like, twice before now. And now! We're like, this episode's not gonna be that long. Because... You know, like this? This episode's not gonna be long. Like, at all. And then... I've like messaged him on Instagram. I'm sending him like messages on everything, and I'm just getting like nothing back. Like Matt, that was a screech. Fucking Jesus, man. Matt. I'm not yeah, gonna... I'm... Oh, wait, there... Me... oh wait, there he is. Oh, wait, he's back. Sorry, animosity means you watch what you're doing. No, it doesn't mean. <laughs> Sorry, I was cl- <laughs> I was closing stuff because I had a couple tabs open, and whoopsie, Matt closed the wrong thing. Oops. Yeah, I was, I gone. was like, where the fuck's he gone? <laughs> Doesn't animosity mean... Sorry, I thought animosity meant you want to keep anonymous, try and stay in the shadows. Is that right? That's anonymous, isn't it? Strong hostility. Animosity. Strong hostility. No longer felt in Oh, strong hostility. I'm not good with my words. I'm not good with my words. Whoops. But yes, he has absolutely horrible excuses, but... That is the man, fucking Ramon Escobar. Um, there's a 
uh, you know, the police report, as I've said many times on this, that you can watch on YouTube. And um, uh, there's probably some other things you can find. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was an interesting case on the fact that this man kills his family members, flees away, ends up being homeless, and then kills other homeless people. What a fucking sick bastard. What a, but yeah, he's the first a, person from El Salvador. What a cunt. Yeah, he is. He's a cunt. And uh, obviously, it's a more recent case. It's maybe not a, as as big of a case with terms of detail and stuff. But um, I thought it was just one a good one to cover because it's a more recent one. And if anyone's living in Los Angeles or anyone nearby in America might have heard of this one. But um, it feels like one of those more local cases. But it's good to cover like smaller down ones because it just shows that this stuff's happening all the time and, you know, it's happening on a daily and people like this are getting away with it. But the big thing, as I mentioned earlier, which I was appalled by and what people had said, that this man was deported six times. Oh, but he came back in the US and look what happened when he came back in the US. You shouldn't, you shouldn't illegally emigrate. Never do that. And this man was back and forth six times. Something's wrong in the justice system there. Am I right? I mean, yeah, definitely. What the fuck's going on there? But there you have it. Our first person from El Salvador, although he doesn't do anything in El Salvador. Um, yeah, Ramon Escobar. Uh, what did you think of that one? I thought that was interesting. Just like, there's, well, obviously we don't know anything about his childhood, but like, everything was just so random. But remember, it said here, uh, despite his repeated criminal behaviour, Ramon was not known as a violent individual, and most of his friends and acquaintances spoke of him positively. Always... If people are speaking of someone positively... Yeah, but it's always someone like that, though, isn't it? Like... Ah. Like, you're, like I don't know why, but it's like... Yeah, it, it's not always someone like that, but at the same time, it's like... But there is the times yeah. where someone who you think is very like normal and quiet and nice, and it turns out they've got this secret of the personality where it's just this evil person, like. And yeah. you have to be evil to kill your own family members, yeah. and they were, and they were especially if that's they were living and they were your elder, elderly, uh, family members. But that is it, Ramon Escobar. Yeah. So Hopefully. next week you will do a case. Yeah, boy. Yeah, it's okay. my, my week next week. Uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's definitely a lot more lighthearted compared to last week. Um, uh, yeah, I tried to tone it down a bit yeah. from what last week's one was. If anyone hasn't go listened check. to last week's episode... Go check it out if you have the stomach for it. Uh, it was Richard Trenton Chase and... Uh, yeah, hoo -hoo, yeah, gross. Um there's a big disclaimer before that episode starts, so you got a bit of pre-warning. But yeah, um, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening, and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.